Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome to the Junk Time AFL podcast. September live show for 2023. We are coming to you from Wayne Jackson Studios. My name is Michael Chamberlain and joining me is a man who can't wait to see Carlton finally play in September. It is Adam Rosenbach. Thank you. Thank you. 13 years. 10 years. 10 years, sorry. Thank you, Junk Timers. It's a very exciting time of year for me because uh, there's a, a whole new uh, supporter base that I can scalp tickets to. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, Carlton supporters haven't bought tickets for a long time and... I've sold the one ticket to 7,000 different people. So, <laughs> it's a fucking easy way to make money. And those suckers are going to be there. So, it's going to be great. You're very good at scalping your tickets, aren't you? Has anyone here actually bought a scalp ticket before? Like, out the front of the ground? Anything like that at all? Because Adam has probably... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you probably have a word to say to Adam. Half the people in here are probably in on scalp tickets tonight. So, yeah. Now, you are going to the game uh, yes. on... Yes. Friday, Friday night? Friday night yeah. against Sydney Swans. So I jumped on Ticketmaster and grabbed my ticket. So uh, I'm all set to go. Did you really get on Ticketmaster to grab a ticket, though? I did, yeah. I, I did do that. I found yeah. a few holes in that story. Did you get the ticket? Ticket tech. Ticket tech. <laughs> what did I say? I think... What did I say? Ticketmaster. Oh, fucking pedantic crowd. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, we, okay. hey. we can pick out one arsehole from another, can we? Yeah. He booked a bass, all right? Yeah. <laughs> I slept out on Russell Street. It was great. That is one of my favourite things come final time and grand final time when oh, they have fuck all, the, off. all the supporters, though. No, 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 I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I don't mean how I just leisurely stroll into the MCG on grand final today. And, Sir. Malcolm. And then I walk in. <laughs> But I love it. When it, particularly when, uh, the particular teams, like when it's like a Collingwood or something like that, when it's a Collingwood or something like that, and you go, and then they're like, you hit, you hit, it's not so much nowadays, but the stories back in the day where it's like, oh, I've been to every game this yeah, year and I missed out on the tickets. grand final. And yeah. you just go, oh, I suck shit, yeah, dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have no sympathy for you, you know whatsoever. Who's, you know who's got your ticket? Some fuckwit from Telstra who doesn't <laughs> give a shit about the game. Who's sitting there, he's like, oh, is Collingfield playing? This is fucking great. <laughs> So, get to the point. Where are you going to be sitting? What, 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 what kind of event are you going to on, uh, on Friday night, Adam? I am going to be in the AFL Gil McLaughlin event behind glass. You motherfucker. <laughs> Boo! No. Shame! 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 No, 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 no. It's not as good as it sounds. Like, <laughs> like there could be a dodgy rabbit and chicken terrain. That's like, it's fucking... <laughs> It's not I, easy. Like, I, you know what's really tough, though, is having to put your full-strength beer into a cup because they only serve your mid-strength. I mean, this is fucking... These are tough things that I have to go through on Friday night, so... so what, what kind of function? So, like, a sit-down dinner kind of thing? Like... Yes, a sit-down dinner. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. I haven't got time to line up for food. What the fuck's that about? Yeah, sure, sit-down dinner, entertainment. So, like, you know, uh, Mike Brady doing a little number for the new album or something like that? Or... Yeah, I think he's doing Fuck the Police this year. Yeah, so... sure. He's <laughs> <laughs> fucking... You know what it's like, when, when Brady goes rogue, it's fucking good. Yeah. Like, it's fun. That one never gets old, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> so, 
so three course dinner, and then you get your seat, you get a cushion seat probably out the front, like we. No cushion. Level one or something. Like we, uh, level two, mate. Level, level two. two. Yeah. Please stairs. Level two on the wing. Yeah, gotcha. No, not oh. stairs. Escalator up to the <laughs> to the room. Are you paying for it? No. <laughs> what a fucking idiot! Seriously. Pay him. Pay him. Please, Michael. Come on, I'm better. That's than amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Fuck. I, I got tickets to Tay Tay. <laughs> Where, whereabouts in the MCGU for Tato? They're at level two and I get a dinner. <laughs> what do you go in the long room for fucking Tato? I think we're going, we're going to some kind of dining room and you get a three course and then you got. So three... you have to wear an angel outfit with collar? Well, they. <laughs> they actually say they have a dress code. So I got to tell my nieces this. They, they say dress no, code. no tummy tops and no, no ripped jeans or something. So they still have a dress code. Well, yeah, that's you out. Yeah, you got the same thing. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm showing up. <laughs> I'm, and a gimp mask. And... So just your Friday night outfit? <laughs> just for babysitting, mate. Um... <laughs> it's really fucking weird, I said that. It's really weird. But they have a dress code still for Tato. Yeah. yeah, okay. You gotta shake it off, mate. I gotta do... I'll probably wear this. I'll just, I'll just be shaking yeah, it off. Yeah, no, I do wear that. <laughs> just so they know to stay away from you. <laughs> Someone you don't want to stay away from is our next guest. <laughs> <laughs> Great intro, mate. Hey, please welcome to stage. Go wild, come with support of Tommy Little. This one. Yeah, yeah. This one over here. Absolutely. Thank you for the friendly start. Uh, <laughs> just, just be clear. Uh, Tommy has COVID, but there's a lot of ventilation here, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Mate, thanks for doing the show. Oh, mate, thank you for letting me uh, at least sit in the same room as you, unlike when you're at the footy. Um, <laughs> it's good you didn't put up a glass partition here. That's nice. Mate, I'm good this, like that. Um, that was a real power play, first up. When I go to sit next to you and you go, no, fucking over. We should have... Maybe we should have told you that beforehand. Uh, should have told me a lot of stuff before yeah, this. Yeah, I didn't know there was going to be Tay-Tay references so early. <laughs> now, are you excited about the finals? You're a big Collingwood supporter? I'm excited. I'm nervous. But yes, I'm excited. What are you nervous about? Um, Losing the prelim again? <laughs> <laughs> I just think the expectations of... Anyway, no, nah, we'll be great. <laughs> no, but if we, if we do break it down, like, we all thought, kind of around 17, you probably all thought, you know, how far Collingwood, but then you had a bit of a slump going into the end of the back end. That was planned. A few injuries <laughs> and the like. Mm. No, they I, were planned as well. <laughs> and pound for pound, you're probably the best team in the competition at the minute, but there's still, a, there's a slight question mark. Probably. Yeah. There's maybe a slight question mark at this stage, do you think? No. <laughs> Why would I say yes? So tell us about how did you end up being a Collingwood supporter? We haven't had you on the potty before. So well, this, this is strange. I do have one of my family members here. This is Matt in the front row. And uh, I was hey, born into black and white because my, my uncle played for them uh, in the 50s. And I grew up getting told that he was a Collingwood star. <laughs> and I did not question that. <laughs> Through all of my childhood years. And that was just fact. David Little, Collingwood star. And um, it wasn't until I started doing gigs for the club that I thought this would be a great way to open. I'll talk about my family connection to the club and I've never actually dug down into the numbers. And when you Google um, someone and they don't show up on the first page, <laughs> it's not a great sign. Um, he, he passed away recently and that's actually bumped the search algorithms up. So now, now he's on the first page and that's a bit of a win. Um, 
But I ended up digging and I was like, why can't I find any information about this Collingwood legend? And I eventually found two lines and it said, David Little came down from Currumburra with big expectations, dot, 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 that he did not live up to. (laughs) So so, so just be aware that if you ever come and see a stand-up show of mine and you find it underwhelming, it runs in the fucking family. (laughs) So he played played ten games. He he got a premiership medal in in 53. um, Premiership player in ten games? No, 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 no. He got a premiership medal. Okay. (laughs) Did not play. Didn't um, play in the game, no. He got it off of Yeoldy eBay. <laughs> <laughs> so it was ten games, one goal between 1953 and 1955. Why the fuck did you ask me if you had the info? <laughs> I feel like he came into his own in 55. That was, 55 he played one game and kicked one goal and if they just let him go on, he was yeah. on the up and up. But I read an article, a link that Matt actually sent us about Dave, and he he was a ruckman. Yes. And big fella. And they, it was, that's where I get my height. <laughs> <laughs> and there were quotes from people saying that uh, from players saying that he was a very good tap ruckman, and they not, enjoyed not um, just, not just roping people. to him. Louis Richards. Yes. 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 Yeah, so those th- uh, that time frame, yeah. Yes. Louis the Lit, mate. Good, but not good enough to play more than ten games. Well, no, but also, did, did he talk hey, about... Hey, I can give shit to my family, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah Tell us about that great German heritage and their... Um... <laughs> and all the impact you've had on the league. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, we were good in attack, shit ass in defence. Three quarter time, we fucked up big time. Yeah. Yeah. If we, only there was a French AFL team, you'd have them. <laughs> Germany was... Uh, they uh, were, we that, fucking had the wind at our backs for three years. Yeah, Imagine yeah. how confusing You're... playing against France would be. By, by <laughs> half time, half of their players are on your team. Yeah. <laughs> Germany was good away, but fucking shit at home. It was <laughs> destruction. Did he ever talk about it, playing? Uh, no. I mean, I was... Um, I... I <laughs> How do I say this? Um, my dad was the youngest of seven, and so the age difference between them was quite a lot. So I didn't see David a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, when I was a kid, again, I just accepted that he was a Collingwood hero and didn't really have any other questions except where the fuck are my Christmas presents? Um, <laughs> sure, sure. And also, if you've got seven, you've got six aunts and uncles, like you go, fuck, that's going to be a pretty good bounty at Christmas time. Yes, it wasn't. Yeah. I got to milk the cows. <laughs> Sorry, they were on a farm. That's yeah, not a euphemism. Sorry, it wasn't. It sounded a lot weirder. <laughs> <laughs> I got to milk the cows. That's what I call my cousins. No, I. <laughs> well, it is the country. Why are they waking up at five thirty? <laughs> Sleep in. <laughs> now you are obviously a massive Collingwood supporter. I want to, I want you to tell the story about the time that because uh, you swam the English Channel recently. Yes, uh, as part of a team. There was four of us, not solo. No, I just need to point that out. Okay. It's the hardest. It's the hardest solo. Um, athletic uh, feat you can achieve in the world in terms of like failure rates and stuff like that. So it, it, and I just didn't want you to think I'd done something yeah. amazing. Like, you like played I've 10 done games something far better than anyone here, yeah. but not, <laughs> but, but not amazing. I don't want you. I just want you to make sure you put me in the correct part of the pedestal, which is up there, but certainly not the top. I think I've turned the room out. <laughs> we'll get him back. We'll get him back. We'll mention the Nazis again. We'll get him back. 
<laughs> so you did some training for that yes. uh, for your radio show, yes. Carrie, the Carrie and Tommy Show on the yes. uh, Hit Network around yes. Australia. Yes, thank you. Good plug. I look forward to the tens more listeners we get. <laughs> and you came across the Collingwood boys at training. Yeah, so I, I couldn't start. I couldn't swim at the start of last year, and so I, um, I, I'm a lifelong asthmatic, and I thought rather than stopping smoking and vaping, I would take up swimming. That would be far easier. <laughs> um, and in some of my learning to swim stuff. Uh, like the f- the first thing I thought I was going to MSAC for a swimming lesson. That's what I got told. And I saw uh, Taylor Adams on the way in, and I said, "G'day." I said, well, "What are you doing here?" And he said, "Oh, we're training here." And I was like, "Oh, that's a coincidence. That's fine." And um, and I thought I won't be anywhere near them in the pool. And um, anyway, then I get into MSAC and I find out um, I, of course, my beloved radio team haven't been that nice to me and I'm not there for a normal swim lesson I'm there for a toddler's swim class (laughs) with um, four mums and their toddlers and me dressed as a toddler and I'm in the water and I'm in Carrie's arms as the other mums are holding people and she's holding me and we've got this little bonnet on and they're getting me to um, tap the water with my hands like this and they're getting me to blow bubbles like this while all the other babies do the same thing and fucking right there is the whole Collingwood team (laughs) going through their training and Maynard's like looking at me like what the fuck is happening and it gets worse because then one of my producers goes oh I'm going to get them to come over and watch and I was like please don't please don't and she walks up to Pendles and goes hey um, do you guys want to come and watch Tommy and Obviously, she didn't say this, but the like, what she was inferring was, do you want to watch Tommy be a fucking idiot over there? <laughs> and he looked at her and looked at me, and I happened to catch his eyes at the time as I'm blowing bubbles, and I just saw him go, fucking no. <laughs> Good. It's also we reached that weird age, like when I first started in radio and we chat to footy players, they were all older than me. Um, but now, obviously, I've gotten older and footy players kind of stay the same age. So I, um, I am now older than almost all the playing group. And so they see me as a role model. So that was a real hit for me. <laughs> a father figure as such, yeah. Hey, uh, we're going to bring in our first act, I reckon. Tommy, sure. it's been amazing stories. Hey, uh, see, oh, no, yeah, yep, no. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Tommy's yeah, going to hang around. Tommy's going to hang around. But Hopefully next time I'm back I can... Earn the big chair next to me. <laughs> You'll get closer and closer throughout like the night. No expense spared on that table you've got next to you. Yeah, well. <laughs> hey, why don't we work on our first uh, guest of the evening? You know him, you love him. Please welcome Razor Ray. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Free, t- free just... tickets for everyone to my next game. <laughs> Thank you for that. I'll give very quickly the tail of the tape for race. Over 350 games. Do you know exactly how many games you've umpired by now? No, nah, 381. 381, there we go. From 2004 to now and three grand finals. So 2020, uh, sorry, 2010, the replay, and then 2019 as well when, uh, let me say, Richmond broke the hearts of the Giants. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Can, I just, can I ask the first question just quickly? Uh, who wins the Brownlow? <laughs> Great question. Now, I was warned that one of you was a prick. <laughs> oh, I'm glad we figured it out real early. 
I think, I think one is really underselling it, right? <laughs> oh, no, and the other two are cunts. <laughs> it's good to see, even, even off the field, he's handing out three yeah. votes already. <laughs> All right, we sorted? Yes. Uh, you've endeared yourself to the crowd, mate. Yeah. To our crowd. I might be walking a tightrope on this one, Razor, but um, oh, fuck, don't. Also, given like the Four Corners story that happened a couple of weeks ago, like, can I just get back into your story? Your, you know, very, you know, extraordinary story. Like, but don't look at me like that, Adam. But like, um, what was it like when you had to come out to your parents as an umpire? <laughs> you know, it's hard. The journey, it's the stories. You know, a lot of dads are like, no, nah, I didn't raise no fucking umpire. And, you know, mum's like, oh, no, he's an umpire. Like, what was that journey like? I, you know, was, that right? was that bad? My, <laughs> my view of these things is just be your true and authentic self, mate. But it would have been confusing too, because they're like, why has he got a white flag? He must be surrendering. No, no, it's far worse. <laughs> <laughs> how much do you enjoy umpiring on the day? Like, how much do you, do you get nervous before a game, or did you, and now you're okay? Tr legit, I, for my first hundred games, I would spew. Yeah, right. Well, I'd get that anxious before a game. And what are you anxious about? Just bad decisions or well, overthinking the first bounce? Is or what Adam would say to you over the fence? Yeah, all, all <laughs> of the above. But legitimately, right, we... And I don't want to make it serious because this is obviously meant to be fun, but we just don't want to fuck it up. Right? We, yeah, do, yeah. we just desperately... You got we that wrong. We don't want you to fuck it up either. <laughs> <laughs> we desperately don't want you to fuck it up, Razor. We're aligned. We're aligned, which is kind of beautiful, really, yes, to yes. sort of figure that out. So the first, my first 100 games, I'd be just like that anxious that yeah. I'd either just before going out or within the first five minutes, and then I was sweet, and my mates would just hang it on me because they're just waiting. They go, there it is, right? And then I'd be fine. But it gets to a certain point where either you just become a little bit more comfortable with it or you recognise that all you can really do is prepare the best you can. Yep. And then when I go up the race, I literally say to myself, try your dick off. Yeah. Like, just, 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 just give it, yeah. just give it your best effort. Yeah. And then where it lands is where it lands. I hope you, I hope you teach junior umpires as well. That's uh, <laughs> something to aspire to. I mean, I think, I think that's a tattoo we can all aspire to. <laughs> try your dick off. I think Ben Cousins has that under the Stutch His Life one, I think. So what's it like with the opening bounce? Have you done the first bounce of a grand final? Not of a grand final. Okay. So my, um, they, they give that to the guys that can do it really well. I remember my Are first... there guys that are better at it? You go, fuck, I oh, wish no. I was like... There are people... I'm, I'm, over I'm, there. I'm, I'm just... Are you in category? Is there like bounces and like... like is, there, is there strengths and weaknesses just like there? Like what's your... If you're not the bounce... Have a look at you three dipshits. What are you... What, of, course, of course there are strengths oh, yeah, and weaknesses. Strength <laughs> Razor, Ray can run backwards like nothing else, mate. He's a fucking king. <laughs> I, was I was a warned. spewing guy. I was a spewing guy. <laughs> I was warned before coming. They said, a mate of mine said, oh, no, they're bloody funny. They're great blokes. Just don't listen to the back catalogue. <laughs> We're very supportive of umpires on this show. I think we've done about 370 episodes, so don't listen to 370 episodes there. <laughs> but... Uh, my first grand final, like, the coach took me aside and he said, look, mate, you know, you're here on merit and, you know, the whole pump-up thing. And it was like just get into a, what we call an end zone. So inside the 50 at either end. And um, 
and just take your time and get into it. It's just like any other game once it starts yep. and find your feet. No dramas. First bounce, bang, up it goes. Down there, 23 seconds in, Darren Jolly's kicked a goal. I'm standing in the middle of the MCG with 100,000 people and a hand grenade in my fucking hands. And I'm like, going, for the love of Christ, go up straight. <laughs> right. And what Jordan Bannister, who's a former player, and yes, then come on out, this yeah. is un- and he, he became an umpire, he did 100 games. He had the worst ticket at the MCG that day. He had to sit next to my old man. And he goes, Ray, I shit you not, you reckon you're nervous before your first bounce. Have you met your dad? <laughs> and he goes, Have Once- you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why, that, that's why we're doing it on Father's Day. Here he is. Well, Razor, Razor started umpiring in 2004, so he hasn't talked to his dad since 2004. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it went up straight, no dramas, and we got on with it for the rest of the game. So I haven't taken the first, but I've taken one early. Uh, I've done 30-odd of them, and I've never missed one in a granny. So I've donked yeah, okay. a lot outside of them, but when it's on the best day, that's one thing I'm pretty proud but of. But am I right? You've had a shoulder reconstruction because of the bounce, right? Well, yeah, that part of partly to do with that. Yeah. And trying your dick off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I so badly want to answer that. <laughs> no, 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 it's the left shoulder, so the right, right. shoulder as well. Got it. I guess I'm a natural right-hander. So, but, like, it, that is part of the impact of the game, because, I mean, we took... You... Uh, I mean, umpires talk about the physicality in terms of running, in terms of have to run, you know, maybe 12, 14, 15 k's in a game, but people underestimate the impact of the repetition of the bouncing of the ball. Yeah, it's, it, it, is, it does take its toll, and if you've done it for over a period of time, it's not so much the dozen or so you might do on a game day or whatever in 30 and warm-ups and whatever. It's like what, the ones 20 at home. years. Yeah, well, not at home. Well, at practice. Home, yeah, try and practice. And, um, you know, for me now, I don't bounce the ball anymore. So I've got a, a bulging lumbar disc and it's no good. So it gives me back spasms and that sort of stuff. So I, I sort of ha- was going to retire after round three and the AFL were unreal. They go, no, 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 mate, don't, don't do that. We can't pick you for finals and all that sort of stuff, but we want you to keep umpiring. So I was like, okay, cool. So, you know, it does, it does there is a physical element to umpiring footy. So Stress you, fractures and things like that. Are you, done, are you done for the year then, that you're not umpiring finals? I, so the first time since 2006 I won't be umpiring in finals, so I'm going through a bit at the moment. Let's go easy. Yeah. All right, so did you, do, did you do Mad Monday last week with a couple, yeah. of, the, I, a couple of the other nerds? Yeah. I did wonder why you were... I, I did wonder why you were doing so much heroin backstage. <laughs> but it all makes sense, Razor. That is a fact. Razor do you guys get drug tested? Do you get drug tested? No, and there was... No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Bring out the gear, bring it out. Razor, you chose the wrong time to rub your nose after that. The straightest laced man that I've engaged with from a work perspective at the AFL in my time, there was a gentleman by the name of Adrian Anderson. He was just business. And the two times in 20 years that I heard him crack a joke, one was related to performance-enhancing drugs with umpires. And he went off, off par, off, off narrative, off brand, and he said, I think maybe that's something we need to look into. And, not, <laughs> and he didn't mean to test us. So, um, right. Anyway, it's still an opportunity. Right, Razor, can I ask a technical question? I noticed before when you were talking about your instructions from your coach and you got told to be down in the end zone and then you explained to us inside the 50, why don't you just say inside the 50? Why do you say the end zone? 
we have different tasks, different names of different umpires that mean different things in our system. Just like so, it's the end zone just inside the fifty, or does it take in a bit of other ground? Nah, good one. It's probably forty meters to go. So it's not ah. the paint itself, yeah? Good to know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I will bring that out. When I'm... <laughs> I've got a whole lot of fun facts. Yeah, one of the umpires. Get in the fucking end zone! <laughs> You're standing on the 44! Get in the fucking end zone! Now, now I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say you may have heard some stuff over the fence in your time. <laughs> And some of the emails I've sent you and yeah, the telegrams yeah. and all that shit. Like when you met Adam for the first time tonight, did yeah, you go was, like, oh, oh I know that voice. Yeah. <laughs> Finally nice we meet. It's nice to put a face to the ABO. Um, <laughs> what, what's the most, like obviously you cop it a lot. When you're coming down the race, obviously when you're on the ground you probably can't hear that much. But what's the best kind of sledging that you cop? There's a lot of shit stuff where you just go, mate. Like family base, too better. Yeah, right? okay. yeah. And like, and that isn't even funny, mate. You know, whatever. Yeah. I remember one game. So after a goal, there's 45 seconds that we wait until we're allowed to bounce it, and a chime will go off in our ear. Okay. And that's saying, "Ads done. You got four seconds. Bounce it straight, you Derek. Right? <laughs> cool." And there's one time or two times in the broadcast where they'll extend it out to 90 seconds, and it's either a highlight, so Jeremy Howe sitting on someone's head. Or something controversial. Me butchering something. <laughs> so I, I pay a particular free kick. Yeah. And um, anyway, it's gone longer than 45 seconds, which doesn't fill you with a shitload of confidence. And uh, anyway, so there's a bit of a delay. And I'm kind of over this side a little bit, getting water. And then it's going to be quiet. And all of a sudden, I hear this prick yell out, there is no doubt, uh, Razor, the dingo took the wrong Chamberlain. <laughs> That's top shelf. Uh, that, is, that is good. And we have our own Michael Chamberlain here. So, okay. uh, all right. It was weird. It was actually Lindy Chamberlain who <laughs> shouted that out. She's a big Collins spotter. <laughs> what do you guys talk about at quarter time? Like during the breaks, do you go, fucking hell, we've paid too many free kicks to one team or do we need to balance it out? Like, do you ever notice that? Honestly, like, we don't, we're not influenced by free kick counts, we don't get any of that data. We, it's not relevant to the next thing that we're just there to witness, right? So if I'm giving a serious uh, statement, we it couldn't care less if it's 34 to four, or if it's friggin', you know, 19 each, we just, we don't care. Yeah, okay. But you did but, tell me just before we came on that you, you, you do take bribes. <laughs> no, brides. I said I take brides. Brides, brides. Yeah. brides. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> So, no, but we'll talk about things that we've seen on the field. If we've made a couple of blues around something or there's different trends in game, you know, somebody might be going real well, they've got a couple of centre clearances and all of a sudden, OK, we've got to be aware they're not getting held and that type of crap, yeah. but that's more the go. Yeah. So keep, keep an eye on the full forward, they're getting scragged by the back, the full back and kind of, you know, awareness of the... Whatever we've seen. Yeah, whatever, sure. whatever, oh, they're setting me up to something here. But anyway, no, no, no. Yeah, no, whatever. No. So what about when the AFL uh, changes an edict and goes, you have to crack down on... Um, you know, dissent or something like that that makes you guys, uh, people hate you more, but you're just doing what the AFL has told you to do. Adam, hate's when... a strong word. <laughs> it's probably not strong enough. Um... 
when that stuff comes down, as a group of umpires, you're told, you know, the stand rule, things like that that they bring in, and you go, fucking hell, people just are going to hate us even more. Do you talk about it amongst yourselves and just go, all right, fellas, like, let's stick together? Like, like genuinely. Mutiny. No, look, so we know where we sit on the org chart. There is avenues for us to provide feedback back. That's taken on and, um, <laughs> and assessed uh, with the weight that it deserves. Um, and, and then we're told, rightio, mate, we've got 41 and we only need 25 of you this week. Fucking do it or don't. Um, and, of course, if, if you get picked, you get paid. You know what I mean? So um, I, my, my, the way I explain it to people is the... We're driven within an inch of its own life as to what we're meant to do on the field at any given time. And our, the structure of our pay is exactly that. We've got a base pay and then you get match payments, right? Okay. And there's a surplus of umpires. So those who are getting picked are obviously delivering what the coaches and the game are asking of the officials. Yep. And so that, that really is a very simple mathematical equation, right? If you want... You, we don't... The most uh, scope for decision-making on what I want to do comes with what I order off the room service menu. The rest of it is, this is, the, this is what you've got to do, mate. AFL so tells you what to do. You want to get paid, you Yeah, do well, do it, right? And that's our yeah. job. And, you know, people go, oh, we want consistency. Okay, cool. So if I'm going rogue from what Rosebury or Stebbick or Meredith or whoever the other guys are that are doing... Uh, all the big ones. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, it's yeah. like the Mount Rushmore up here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my nephew... Don't hate on great, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> They're my peers, and you know, if they're doing one thing and then I'm doing another thing, you're going to go more mental than you already are. So. Yeah, okay. And is there a hierarchy in the umpire and fraternity? Like, kind of the field umpires at the top, and then it's like the goal umpires and the boundary umpires. And Do you like, mock the emergency boundary umpire? Yeah, just like whatever. <laughs> like, I mean, I remember mercilessly. Yeah, so yeah. Was it a couple of years ago that a field umpire got proposed to by a boundary umpire? And I think as a football community, we're like mixed marriage. That doesn't work. <laughs> But do you hang out with like? Do you, do you talk to the goal umpires and boundary umpires during the break? Like, kind of going like, yeah, whatever, mate, just run and throw the thing, you mate. Yeah, whatever. It there's was, lots wave of your little there's flags, lots of mate. banter, and yes, there, we would consider there to be a hierarchy. Although we'll pretend there's not for the stickers, one team, all that sort of stuff. But we'll often say if the boundaries start up, you can get any dickhead off the tram to bring the ball back, mate. So just you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, and they get really angry because they are like because. Hey, look, they're unbelievable athletes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like they're freaks, and we're not, right? So then they'll start, you know, getting their chest out and rubbing oil on their legs and trying to intimidate us and whatever else. Um, are they? Are they just like you know how Met cops are, are failed cops, right? You're gonna get me in that much but, trouble. But 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 our, um, <laughs> it's all right. I've I've done all right. I don't catch a train anymore. That's fine. Um, <laughs> are, are they just failed field employees? I don't think... I don't, I That's don't think, a fucking yes. <laughs> they don't get there by accident, right? So I don't think they like the being out there and all the immediate feedback. And they do love... They're bent in a way that is athleticism. So they are proper track athletes and whatever. Where We're probably not as much that, but aren't worried about all the other crap that comes your way. But so do you kind of giggle mindset. every now and then when you see a goal umpire kind of warming up and they're kind of practising the goal sign? You kind of think like... Mate, a fucking two-year-old can do that. <laughs> David Roden came in and he started up with his goal umpiring and he's a legend, right? 
And I give him heaps of shit because he always goes on Dancing with the Stars to pump up his likes and followers. I go, mate, you've done that to death. Fucking do something challenging. Go on SAS, you weak prick. And um, Anyway, but one thing he does do, he, he absolutely, when he first came on the scene, he goes, gee whiz, they... The pre-match is different. <laughs> Could you imagine being a player and you know, you're going to punch someone's head in? And, uh, and then you come in and umpiring. I mean, I'm not sure what you guys would think would be going on in the rooms, but there is, yeah, we're all different cats. Just clearly. a lot of trying dicks off. Yeah. That's, what That's what I'm expecting. And if I'm being honest with you, I reckon the band <laughs> umpires have got to try your dick off as well. Now, the one, the one thing about your job is that you have the best seat in the house by the fact that you are literally 10 metres away from some of the most remarkable things that have happened in the history of the game. And you had box seat for Buddy Franklin running down the wing with Cale Hooker running after him like a Lego man. How much fun was it mocking Cale Hooker? <laughs> Were you this day going, you're never going to get him, Cale. You're never going to get him. You're not hot, buddy. You're not hot. Give it Bye. up, Cale. Got time. Got time. <laughs> have another man. I ran past Kale. <laughs> hey, Razor Ray, thank you so much. It's so very incredible to be here. Thank you so much. From one chamberlain to another. Thanks, Razor. Razor Ray, live in the room right now. Razor, Razor! Razor's got to go backwards. Got to go backwards. Got to go backwards. So bring our next special guest, oh, Hawthorne Gold Coast legend. Please welcome to stage, Campbell Brown. Yeah, Brownie. Now, some big news for you, Campbell. Recently, not only did you um have a fortieth. But um, you got a little new bub. Oh, he, doesn't, he doesn't know about it yet. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> got a brand no, new bub. Did, yeah, third boy. So um, yeah, all going well, Bailey. Congrats, dog. Well yeah. done. I, I didn't do too much to be honest. So. How many? How many days old now? Uh, a week. Yeah, great. Yeah, well, a couple of days actually. Nine so days. So. Gold Coast son, father son. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, even if he was eligible, I would advise. Uh, <laughs> Not going up to blame the Gold Coast. That's actually a hot property, actually. Three boys. Like, yeah, it's almost like, you know, when the you know, Juddy had boys and, you know, you guys were all going, oh, gee, father, son. Like, that's like three, three potent fish Well, I think, I think um, so many past teammates of mine at Hawthorne have had boys um, that Hawthorne are setting up like a junior academy for yeah. father, son. So, sure. Um, they kind of... They're, they're Jordan getting... Lewis has got four. Brent Guerra's got two. Four, Rick Ladson's sure. got a couple. Um, I've got three now. Sean Burgoyne. Like, the list goes on. And Hodges, getting them in uh, early, age Crawford. 10, teaching them about, uh, you know, footy season trips, like, <laughs> you know, how to, how, to, how to drink at the Brownlow, all that kind all, of stuff. All that sort of stuff, yeah. So, um, no, he'll uh, hopefully be getting over to Vegas and doing some damage. <laughs> Can I ask you off the top? Oh, yeah, that's the only place yeah, you yeah. do damage. <laughs> oh, do you mean the quiet and conservative Campbell Brown? You should see him when he gets to Vegas, though. <laughs> if anything, you're the only bloke who gets to Vegas and calms down a bit. <laughs> you go, guys, fucking Vegas, bit of respect. Uh, we were talking about sledges before, and, and Razor had an absolute beauty, but um, when I had my firstborn child, Boston, I put up you know, the, the, the post on social media saying, you know... Boston Brown, born into the world at this time and this day. And the very first retweet I got was a bloke and he said, oh, poor kid, his dad's a cunt. <laughs> and, 
And for, and for someone that loves a good sledge, yeah. I thought that was absolutely magnificent. Yeah. Short, sharp, succinct, highly offensive. It was brilliant. It was the best. I do didn't you, know. Do you I feel didn't... bad about retweeting it? <laughs> I didn't know Alistair Clarkson was on Twitter. <laughs> but I'll... Um... I'll give the tail of the tape of Campbell Brown very quickly. Uh, 159 games for Hawthorne, 2002 to 2010. Uh, three years at Goldie for 46. 109 goals, actually, but I think it would surprise a lot of people that, that you kick that many goals. All Australian 2007. Premiership 2008! Woo! Wow, what a... What a rousing applause. <laughs> Dude, he kicks it. This is the best five minutes of his footy life. That includes the 04 grand final. Uh, Representing Australia in, uh, in uh, when he played against Ireland, and you smashed the fuck out of some Irish can't. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got, I got the series cancelled. Was <laughs> <laughs> an ideal? Can I ask you a question about that? Because I think you've told me this story, but I think we were both pissed. Did, did Vegas? You, did you? No, no. Monday no, tonight. No, Vegas, Vegas brownie is respectable. Um, did you have to leave Ireland? I did two. Uh, Oh, I did one trip to Ireland, one we played here. So 2006, Kevin Do you call him a trip or a junket? Like, come uh, on. Like, yeah. when, you get, when you get nominated in that team, you're like, fuck yeah. No, it's definitely a junket. He calls it a sparring session. <laughs> <laughs> I was rooming with Fev when, when he got thrown oh. off the tour. Yeah, right. For putting that bartender in a headlock. It's and, not bad when you look like the good bloke. You're like, oh, thank fucking Fev. <laughs> um, so, 06, Kevin Sheedy took us over to Ireland and, um, and we lost the first test in Galway. And, and the Irish... Um, well, I'm not going to say they're dirty. I think we've just got different ideas of, of what is um, respectable and what's not. Sure. They, they like to, to kick, okay. so you would run past them, and, and for them... Like an ankle Kicking tap? someone... Oh, oh, like, no, it was more like, like hacking. A, a proper kick in the shins. Yeah. That was sort of not that dirty, but in Australia, if you kick someone, it's, it's pretty bad. Absolutely. And we would punch them in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and in Australia, that's not too bad, right? But over, over there... It's very bad. So it was, it was just a difference of opinions. <laughs> Even trying to get out of it, if you explain to another Australian, well, he kicked me in the chin, you're like, fucking hit him again. <laughs> yeah. so, so I just think it was culturally very different. And, and so um, we went to Croke Park because there's only two games. So we lose Galway and we must win Croke Park to, to win the series. And um, all hell broke loose. There was a massive all-in brawl. Um, Actually, the, the president of the GAA, Nicky Brennan, took the players down the race at quarter time and they weren't going to play anymore. And we coached them back out and we beat the fuck out of them again. <laughs> and we won the series and they cancelled it. So 07 was cancelled. And then 08 rolled around and, um, and for some reason... Mick Moldhouse was the coach. He decided to pick me. And I, I went out um, the night before an optional training session in Arden Street. And I'd been out in, in um, Chapel Street, actually. There was a venue there called White Charlie. And I'd had a big night. And, um, <laughs> White Charlie? Yeah, that was what it was called on like Chapel Fuck Street. Off. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Fuck, they put it in the name. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one big toilet. And everyone just goes in there. I got so... You I get got handed so a straw on the way uh, in. A mate of mine... Um, a, it was I, next door to uh, Crushed Up Annie Inflammatories. <laughs> <laughs> they just had a sign that quickly changed over. 
I said I'm not going to go to the optional training session at Arden Street. At, you know, I, I just can't make it. And um, for an international rules, as if you want to do that. Exactly. As well. Right. Yeah. And, and I was a shit kick, so kicking those floating round balls was quite difficult. And also, how much did you want to hang out with Mick Malthouse? Like, <laughs> fuck that. So my mate says, "No, you got to go." He drove me out there, and um, he said, "Whatever you do, just just don't communicate with Mick." So I had some chewy, and I was in the, I was, I was in the, the change rooms getting ready to, to go out and train. Mick came out and introduced himself to all the players, and I couldn't avoid him. So he said, g'day to me. I spoke to him. I was holding my breath and trying to sort of... I went out and trained and I didn't hit a target. I trained pretty shit and I went home and uh, I went to sleep and I got a, a phone call at uh, 4.30. Mick Mouldhouse on the voicemail. Campbell, uh, can you please call me as soon as possible? Need to speak to you pretty urgently. Oh, fuck. He knows I had a big night. I shouldn't have rocked up to training. He's going to drop me from the tour. And, um, and so I rang him back and uh, he said, Campbell... Um, we really appreciate you making the effort to get out there. How would you like to be vice-captain of your country? <laughs> <laughs> so I'd waited two years for that Irish prick that got me in Croke Park and I knocked him out at Subiaco. <laughs> and, I, and I never played for Australia ever again, unfortunately. <laughs> Please tell me, even when you're on the phone to Mick, that you went, oh, I've got to remember the chewy. <laughs> <laughs> Now, can I ask you, when you saw at uh, Entrecote last year that Stephen May <laughs> got clocked in the face, did you go, yeah, it sounds about right? <laughs> I, I was, I was uh, on a family holiday in Noosa. I'd just gone for a swim and it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. I'd come back to my towel and my phone had, you know, 27 notifications, 12 missed calls and 10 messages. I thought, fucking hell, my sex tapes got out there or something <laughs> Something bad has happened to me. Someone's filming at White Charlie. You know? <laughs> and, and so when I, when I received the message saying, you know, this is deja vu, it's happened again, yep. uh, yeah, there was a bit of indication there. <laughs> so what was the, the reasoning for that fight? Because uh, I've never quite got the clear story. There's something involving Rihanna or something like that? Was she oh, Rihanna rocked up to the club we're at. And, so um, you're in LA, this is when you were at the Gold Coast Suns with Stephen May. Yeah, 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 as a teammate. We yeah. just had a really successful training camp in Flagstaff, Arizona for two weeks. And, yeah. um it was meant to be a dry camp, but they let us out for one night only. <laughs> Thought that was a fucking good and idea. And I've been out with you before, and one night can last four days. <laughs> the nights yeah. are fucking long. They let him, they let him out for one sleep. Yeah. We got, so we that's look. up to you. That's up to you when that is. We got into an old. That's a week of white charlies. <laughs> but Josh Gibson was there as well. Yeah, Josh was there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so paint the picture. Well, we just there was a two o'clock curfew, and because I was one of the, the leaders at the Gold Coast Suns, I like to enforce the curfew. Well, um, yep, <laughs> yep, yes, Your Honour. And uh, and it was getting close to two o'clock, so I sort of said to the boys, "Let's let's make sure we get in the cab and get home safely." So you're in LA at this time? Yeah, in LA. Right? Yeah. yeah, just in West Hollywood, out the front of Bootsy Bellow, which is not a bad venue if anyone's going over there. <laughs> what are you getting fucking kickbacks or something? <laughs> just say Campbell on the door, you get ten percent off entry. <laughs> no, you won't get in. <laughs> Uh, and so, um, yeah, one thing led to another and, and um, yeah, we had some words and Maisie, you know, he's six, four and a hundred kilos. I'm only five foot ten and, yeah. you know, 83, 83 kilos. Um, you know, poor innocent me got, you know, had to defend myself. Oh, so it's like, essentially, he, he, he turned on Bambi, essentially. <laughs> but he turned on Bambi and Bambi uh, struck back. <laughs> Do a bit of role playing if that's all right, Adam. Oh, fuck. I prefer not to again. <laughs> but it, it, your your punch led to one of the greatest quotes in AFL history. So if we just paint the picture, so I've got the script here. <laughs> so do, do you want me to do you want me to lead up to it? 
Yeah, tell the story before it. Yeah, tell well, the story I, before it. I mean, I'd never belted a teammate before, so I didn't really know. <laughs> I didn't know whether... You didn't know how it play out. I didn't know if I was going to get promoted to the leadership group, <laughs> if I was going to be suspended, stood down or sacked. So when I did land back in... in me and Steve Mace flew back from LA to Sydney and then the Gold Coast together, next to each other, 14 hours. Next to each other on the plane? Yep. So, obviously... With, with, like two I, two I, plates I, in his job. I bet, I bet you got the armrest. <laughs> I, me and him were great mates. We got on fine and, and I apologised to him and he apologised to me because clearly I wouldn't have done it, you know, unless I was, I was provoked. So He kicked you in the shin, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so, I know how this shit kicks off. So, um, I ate his beef stroganoff because I thought it might be a bit too chewy for him, so I looked after him. <laughs> Fucking hell, this plane flight was like prison for him. <laughs> no, no, I eat your food. <laughs> and I get back to, to Australia and I think, she's I better ring Mal, you know, because yep. my old man Mal, for those of you that don't know, his, his nickname was Mal the Mouth over in Western Australia and he's prone to speaking his mind. Um, he's very politically incorrect, which is uh, it's why I love him, because he's a straight shooter. Um, but he can't do any media at the, at, anymore live. It's all going to be pre-recorded, so we can edit all the stuff out. Right? Hence why we haven't been on the front bar or anything like that. They're terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I told Mal what had unfolded, and I said to him, look, um, if you can just do me a favour and say no comment, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. So three or four days went by, and there was some you know, inaccurate reporting out there about the incident and, and this, that and the other, and he got door-stopped by... A, a very young Channel 10 cadet, yeah. Chanel Vella. And should we, should we read the... Uh, and she, she came into the... Yeah, well, I can do it verbatim if yeah. you want me to. Yeah. Let's, get, let's get Cameron to do it. Yeah, we'll get yeah. Cameron to do it. So, instead of parking on the street, where there was a couple of vans, a Channel 10 and a Channel 9 van, he went up around the block, up the alleyway, opened the roller door, and he drove into his house. And he thought, beautiful, he got out of the car, he didn't think anyone had seen him, and Chanel Vella, who's now the... Uh, political or, or um, crime reporter on Seven, doing a great job. She must have seen him, came running in, cameras rolling, stuck a mic in his face and said, have you spoken to his son at all? And he turned around and he said, no, I haven't. And can you go and get fucked and get out of my life and out of my property and ring up and make a time like every other cunt does that's got any manners? <laughs> and, and she says, thank you. And... <laughs> It was a Monday afternoon at about four o'clock. My phone rings. I'm on the Gold Coast. Career hanging by a thread. Hello? He said, son, I've made a comment. <laughs> and me and the Gold Coast sons parted ways amicably the next day. I didn't get sacked. I actually resigned. <laughs> so let's talk about your time at the Suns. You were there for the uh, inaugural season for the Suns. What was it like going up there to establish a footy team up in, you know, southeast Queensland? Oh, it's difficult. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, I probably we all the senior guys that went up there probably all underestimated how hard it would be. Yeah. Um, what did you underestimate? What did you think was going to be easier than turn out really fucking? Um, probably we just thought that if you hand a club 15, 20 first round draft picks, yeah, well, uh, that, going to work out. that natural progression would mean that we would be competitive soon. And, and, the, and the the thing is, unless you actually develop those you know, 18, 17, 18-year-old kids the right way, yep. teach them the right training standards, uh, right game plan, right structure, um, you know, all, all that sort of stuff that comes with it, training standards, everything, um, they don't progress as quickly as some. You could get a pick 57 and put him in a really good club yeah. and 
you know, make him play VFL and teach him, you know, all the all the habits, and then he becomes a good AFL footballer. But when you're just gifting games to all these young young kids, and they know that they don't need a chase, they don't need a tackle, they're still going to get picked each week because yep. we had to get games, you know. Yeah. The, the balance was a bit off, and so that was difficult. Um, was Guy McKenna the right ch- choice as coach? Coach, do you think? Oh, look, Guy was okay. Um, it's just I would have gone with a a senior coach, yep. you know, that had done it before. Yeah. Uh, we we lacked probably just experience across the board because. Gary Ablett was a first-time captain. Yep. Uh, Marcus Ascroft was a first-time football manager. Blue McKenna was a first-time coach. Travis Old was a first-time CEO. Our president, John Wither, a f- great businessman, but a first-time president of a footy club. So um, probably young, inexperienced. And you look at how CWS did it. They went and got, like, Kevin Sheedy. Yeah, yeah, un- okay. Under him, um, Choco Williams. Yep. I mean, they're premiership coaches in their own right. Under him, Gubby Allen. Under him, James McDonald, who'd been a captain at Melbourne, Dean Brogan, Luke Power, like like. So they learned from their mistakes from your team, basically. Uh, you think we just went about it two very way. different ways. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 a it's a fascinating discussion, and and hopefully Tassie comes in in a few years, and we, you'll get Richo up very shortly. Um, th- they should have learned from the things that the Gold Coast did well and yep. did poorly, the things that GWS did well and did poorly, and implement all those things into Tassie because you can't afford to fuck this one up. But then also you came from Hawthorne, who won the flag in 08, and then you had you know, a couple of years after that. Did you walk into the club kind of with that Hawthorne background, that we've won a flag, we've known how to do that, and walk into Gold Coast and just be like, no, that's fucking wrong. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing it that way? Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, obviously Clarko is very black and white, no grey, and... Um, and the Gold Coast Suns was completely different. But the, the thing is, we, were ex- we had a lot of ex- uh, experienced senior players um, and great leaders like Hodgie and Sam Mitchell and you know Jordan Lewis and these guys. You'd forget that we had 45, 18-year-old kids still yeah. learning the game. So you couldn't be too hard on them. Of course, we'd be competitive for a quarter or, or two and then we'd fo- we wouldn't just gradually fall away. We'd fall off a cliff and... You know, a, a five-point margin would become 90 points quite quickly against hardened season bodies. Is that frustrating for you as a player? To be oh, yeah, that? I was playing down back and yeah, um, yeah. I'm trying to play on Eddie Betts and these blokes and we're conceding 75 inside 50s. <laughs> and, um, Did you break your own pelvis? Oh, I got... Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so you could probably tell late in my career I became a bit grumpy uh, and so I started to get suspended. In fact, I reckon Ray's is the only umpire that never fucking reported me. So. <laughs> Thank you, mate. What's Thank a broken you. pelvis like? Yeah, how do you, saw, how do, you yeah. do that? Like, what, what are you breaking? Like, um, I tackled James Kelly front on. He was running, and I tackled him, and he, he must have hit me with his knee there. Yeah. And there's obviously there's not not a lot of, of padding there. Yeah. Um, and I thought I just got a really bad corky. And they always say to you, run, run it a, out, run a corky out, run a broken pelvis out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so I was thinking I'll run this corky out. And um, I was playing on uh, Cam Mooney at the time. At, I was playing centre-half back. And we turned the ball over up the field and they switched it. And we went from a, a light jog to a, a run to a sprint as he was pushing to the far side to, to get on the end of a lead. And as I was running, I just heard a massive crack. Ugh. And what, what must have been a, a little green stick fracture became a, a full-blooded you know, break and, of the and is, is that why you said there's not a lot of padding there? Is that why now you've grown some more padding around yeah. there? <laughs> <laughs> to, to prevent re-injury? Yeah. Oh, that's just retirement. You, time, you know? yeah, smart, so did they you? immediately book you into White Charlie to get it looked at? <laughs> Can I ask you, been, 
as, as a Hawthorne supporter, some quite amazing moments. But um, yeah, let's I mean, talk about his Hawthorne career. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. let's the fucking talk about this, man. What was he... it like, the, the transition? I'm interested in this. The transition from when the Hawks were, you know, seen as soft and whatever, in the line in the sand game. What was it like just making that transition under Clarko? When he came in, how it changed, and you guys became a pack of cunts. And, and, um, and, but but que- a really good pack of... But question on top of that, like, the line in the sand, when De- you were in the toilets when Demi walked in, weren't you? Yeah, yeah I was, oh, he grabbed me, Nathan Thompson, uh, and Richie Vandenberg, and basically... Um, it's not unusual to see a, a director, because he was a director at the time, in the rooms pre-game, and certainly they come in post-game, um, but I don't think I've ever seen one in the rooms at, at half-time. He'd come down specifically um, with a beanie's bonnet about the way that Hawthorne had been playing against Essen for not just that particular week, but over a 10-year period. You know, he's one of the most passionate Hawthorne guys of all time, and had, they had some big finals and grand finals that they played against Essen. And we'd lost 14 in a row over an eight-year period. And, and we were Essendon's bitches, like we were. We were. Get out. <laughs> Did you so, expect Richie Vandenberg to go fucking ballistic like that? Like, no, he well, fucking lost. He, he said just draw mind. a line in the sand, basically go out there and, and, you know, win some respect back. I think the line was he wanted, was it Mark Johnson not to walk off the ground? Is yeah, that yeah. Like that? He, uh, unless it was uh, on a stretcher. Yeah. yeah. That's the only way he could come off the ground, was what we were told. So, so you know, this is stuff directors of a footy club say. <laughs> The, the funniest part about the, the whole thing was after after it was all said and done and we'd all been reported. Um... I feel like a lot of your stories end like that. <laughs> there were there were so many there were so many reports that um, they pushed the tribunal back to the Tuesday night. It's usually held on a Monday night, but there was, there was so much vision to to try and see. And Richie Vandenberg actually came round to dinner at my place. I was still living with my parents at the time because I was only twenty years of age. And um, we're sitting around the dinner table discussing our defence. And um, Richie, dad Richie, yeah. Richie said, you know, to Mal, uh, what, what shall I do? And Mal said, under no circumstances are you to plead guilty because you're doing their fucking job for them, right? <laughs> <laughs> At least make them find you, find you guilty. So, so this, is a, this is a true story. I don't think I've ever told this before. So... So we, we go in and, and Richie's reported on two counts, one for the strike on Adam McPhee and one for the knee on Adam McPhee. And Adam McPhee walks in, sits in a little box, because it's like court, you know, it is like court, um, which I do know about as well. <laughs> <laughs> and and, they, and his, Adam McPhee's got four or five stitches in his eye. And they show the vision. So and they said, oh, how would you like to plead, Mr Vandenberg? He said, not guilty on both counts. And, and the, so they, they, they march in Adam McPhee. He sits there with a the black eye and the stitches. They show the vision. And then halfway through the tribunal sitting, uh, you see Richie leaning across and they have this discussion, um, a little bit like, you know, Ojo with the glove. <laughs> Told me Johnny Cochran. And they, and they said, I'd, I'd like to change my plea to, to guilty. <laughs> Which is very rare in tribe, you know, very, very rare. He got six weeks. So. Oh, and then we'll wrap it up shortly, but also the, li- the, well, the second line in the sand. We had Matthew Lloyd on our live show last year, uh, and we talked, asked about that 2009 game around 22, and he said that you were the softest player he'd ever played against. <laughs> Quote, true crate. <laughs> but that, that game again was nuts. Like Brad Sewell gets knocked out minutes after half time, then it's... It's a free-for-all. Well, like, I, you're I, just... I saw an interview with you. It was round 22 and Hawthorne still could have made the finals. Yep. Say, you, say you were going, oh, I don't want to get suspended because I'll miss finals if we make it, and you didn't. 
had you known that you weren't going to play finals, how Fucking nuts. heavily would you have bashed Matthew Lloyd? Um, no, well, I still wouldn't have because I hate pre-season even more. <laughs> and to add five or six weeks on to yeah, pre-season right, right. would have been hell for me. So, um, no, I had no, I had no issue belting Matty Lloyd. I, I got four weeks for doing that a few years earlier. It was just a... T- uh, I'm big on timing in life. <laughs> the, the timing was a bit off. Uh-huh. But it was like... It's such, it's so... If, I, I know I was at that game, and I remember it was the game where we had, we had to win to get in the finals. We had Buddy and Ruffy were out. Yep. We had a mosquito fleet in the forward in the forward half. Uh, so we was knocked out. Bombers were four goals down at half time. Came back, won it, and then. But, but oh, I've, oh, I've had enough of you, mate. <laughs> There's a Destiny fan. They've infiltrated. It's like the resistance. Um, but were people coming after you as well, or were the bombers kind of not throwing the punches? No, nah, no. Nah, look. I, I've, I've, I went to a uh, Essendon president's function a couple of years ago and I said exactly this and um, I'm never allowed back in there um, <laughs> because of it. But uh, emotions were running high that day. Max Bailey had done his knee. Yep, yep. Obviously, Sully, who was you know, heart and soul, broken eye socket. He's, he's still got plates in his face now. And we go on and lose. And a lot of the, the Essendon faithful, you know, they, they say, oh, you know, you blokes... You couldn't get it done when it counted. You lost the line in the sand game by 80 points. Correct. You went on and lost that game, you know. Correct. But what I will say is that Hawthorne have gone on and won four premierships in the last (laughs) 17 years and Essendon still haven't won a fucking final. On that note... (laughs) Campbell Brown, ladies and gentlemen, Collingwood supporters... That brought a, a that brought a that brought a tear to my eye. <laughs> you got a bit emotional right there. <laughs> oh, I got to go call Mal, give him his support. Hey, uh, final act for the night, the guys, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sage. He's the fucking legend of the AFL. Please welcome the one and only Matthew Richardson. How is everyone? Yeah. Goodness, geez, it's bright up here, isn't it? So I had to laugh at just one thing. Brownie reminded me of a story because he taught, loves going to America, Brownie and LA and, and Vegas. And I used to get over there quite regularly as well. Normally the first week of September when you play for the, <laughs> the Tigers. So oh, were well, you free? Were anyway, well, you free? I took a couple of the young blokes with me one year. I took Kane Pettifer and Andrew Rains, and we were staying at the Mondrian in West Hollywood, it's a ritzy sort of hotel and you know, I was trying to show off in front of the young blokes. Anyway, we got off the plane, we check into the Mondrian and I said, boys, meet me down in reception in about half an hour, we'll go get some lunch and you know, how good is it to be here away from Australia? No one knows us, you know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so we get down to reception and the boys come down and I said, geez, I just feel like the weight of the world's come up on my shoulders. I love getting over here to the States, you can carry on a bit, no one knows who you are. And I said, boys, you're really going to enjoy this trip. So I said, we're just going to go have a bit of lunch down the road on sunset. And I reckon we walked out the front and I reckon I'd put one toenail (laughs) on the footpath and a car came past and this bloke hung out the window. And he goes, Richo! I went, g'day, man. He goes, geez, you're a dickhead! (laughs) I thought I'd been there literally five bloody minutes. Anyway... It was Tom Hanks. It was weird. (laughs) 
big fan, big fan. I'll give the tail of the tape a rich though. 282 games for Richmond. 800 goals and the 12th highest kicking goal person. Fantastic. Three All-Australian, 13-time Richmond goal kicker, team of the century. What position on the team of the century are you? Uh, Richmond, I think. Well, it was selected in 1999, I think. So I'd only played six years. So I was on the bench, but clearly I'd be on the ground now. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think emergency now with the premierships. Uh... <laughs> no, no, that, no, that's... Good point, good point. Do you ever look at Richmond and go, could you have won a fucking flag ten years earlier? Like, fuck it. No, you, worked, you went through so much shit. And it was then... funny after, after they won those premierships, Rosie, a lot of people came up to me and said, oh, Richard, you must be, you know, a bit disappointed, a bit flat. I said, what are you talking about? I mean, I was the biggest Richmond nuffie there ever was. Yeah, My okay. old man played in a premiership there in 1967 and all I ever wanted was Richmond to be successful Success. again. So when they won that premiership... <laughs> I couldn't, have been, I couldn't yeah. have been happier, yeah, so yeah, okay. no jealousy at all. But is, but, there not, but is there not just a bit... I mean, I remember seeing um, Darce when uh, the Doggies won as well, and I thought the same thing, which is like, yeah. I get you're completely stoked for them, but is yeah. it not just a little bit that you've got uh, to just move the timing? You know what? If it had to happen maybe one or two years after I retired, might yeah, maybe... Yeah, okay. uh, that would have been rougher. Like a Brett Yeah, I mean... Like a... No, no, no. Oh, that'd be fucking horrible. No, mate, cool. no, like, like, a, a bit like a, a bit like a Litz, yeah. Like yeah, I mean, and... I, I could not have felt more sorry for Brett Delidio. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I can mean, feel... I was uh, seven or eight years retired, yeah, so okay. I was over But it. you set him up. I did, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Look, I, I took them through that transitional period for 37 years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're the father figure. You're the mentor. Yeah. <laughs> so you said your dad played for... Your dad did play yeah. for the, um, the... I was about to say the dogs. Um, the Tigers, 67 against Geelong. And then, so were you father-son? Like, was that how it worked? Or were you, yeah. were you in the draft? No, I wasn't. Back when I... I was 1992, father-son. But back then, you just got put on the list. So I was actually over here in Melbourne training before the draft even took place. Yeah. I, I signed up. I actually came over here. I was playing for Devonport in the Tasmanian State League. Yeah. There's a few D-Town people there. <laughs> D-Town. Is it yeah, D-Town? D-Town. Fuck, when I go to D-Town, it's something yeah. very different. <laughs> and I don't tell anyone. Yeah. Mate, you, you work your D off. Yeah. yeah. It's just me and Razor Ray in a room. <laughs> yeah, so I played for D-Town, uh, Tommy. Yeah. Any, anyway, I, I, Peter Knights was my coach, actually. Really? Yeah, so I played one year of senior footy there and... Uh, we As were, a 17 year old? Yeah, and we were coming up to finals and, and I was just waiting for Richmond to sign me up because all they had to do was fly me over and sign me up. I didn't have to wait for the draft. So yeah. Peter Knights was getting a bit agitated. He wanted this done because he, he could see it was affecting my footy and yeah, training. Right. So he rang Richmond and said, can you get him over there and just bloody sign him up? So they did. Richmond flew me over. Round 22, 1992, Richmond played the Crows at the MCG. Flew over with Dad. Richmond got beaten by 20 goals. Tony Modra kicked 10 goals. I went back to Punt Road with my bat dad and, and met the general manager, Cameron Schwab. He put a four-year contract on the table, minimum chips, you know, 10 grand base my first year, 12 and a half, 15. So it wasn't much coin, really, but I thought it was a lot back then. Dad said, look, we'll take it home. And it was mainland money. Yeah, it was. <laughs> It wasn't like milk, it wasn't milk and wool. Yeah. It was mainland money. Anyway, Dad so, said, oh, we'll go home and have a think about so it. So did D-Town pay you with cheese and a brown paper bag? 
I signed up there and then. So what? yeah, it was good. What I, was it like going to the club that your old man played for? Was it? Did you feel the pressure of that? No, people asked that. I actually, I reckon it was the opposite because there were a lot of old Richmond people at the club that were there from when Dad was there. Yeah. So I, they treated me like I'd been there forever. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't feel any pressure really, to be honest with you. So would that have been Alan Jeans, where's your coach when you? No, nah, John Northey had just taken oh, okay, over. Gotcha. Yeah, from Alan Jeans. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Did you have much to do with Tom Hafey at all during the journey? I did. Yeah. yeah. Just, just through. Can you, you know, tell us any good stories about Tom Hafey, just by the fact that he's a fucking legend uh, again? Oh, gee, off the top of my head. Well, just, I mean, Tommy, what you saw was what you get. The most, you know, the fitness fanatic of the man. And I remember. Uh, I lived in Elwood, and he lived on Marine Parade down in uh, in Elwood as well, right near that BP service station there. And I just started um, I just started working for Channel Seven. It was my first year into retirement, and you had to go in and do the sunrise shift at about six thirty in the morning on on a Friday morning. So I was in the middle of July. I pulled out onto to Beach Road there in Elwood, and it was misty. It was cold. It was about three degrees. And I'd heard the legend of Tommy Hafey that he got up every morning. He went for a swim and did his, you know, thousand push-ups and sit-ups. I thought that's bullshit, you know. <laughs> and he's probably like this, seventy-eight. Yeah, at this stage I mean, or he, mate, he was in his seventies, yeah. late seventies yeah. by this stage. And I thought, yeah, he probably did it, but he doesn't do it every single day. So I pulled out onto Beach Road, misty rain. I can see this gentleman running towards me in speedos at six o'clock in the morning. And as I got closer, it was Tommy Hafey. He'd been in the water. He'd done his push-ups and sit-ups and was driving home. And I thought. This bloke actually, you know, walks the walk. And t- you, yeah, go. I know oh, you moved from Elwood to Northcote. How, how are you finding that? You are you riding a penny farthing now? Like, what's the <laughs> difference? Like, is there as many speedos around? Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's different. Yeah, I, sure. I enjoy it. Is that a microbrewery beer that you're having? Yeah, or? that's an eighteen dollar craft beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What but you I think could... is someone wearing speedos is just their pubic hair and. <laughs> but I couldn't believe it this morning in Northcote. Got the strong flat white, you know. On a Sunday, listen to Triple R, six dollars sixty for a strong flat white. No way, and that's mainland money again. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, no, I love it. I love Northcote. I, I think now when, when I was playing footy, I loved um, getting out to gigs on a Saturday night and getting involved in the music scene. So, yeah. so I wanted to talk about that. You're obviously because yeah. uh, I'm a metalhead, and you like your alternative music. Who yeah. had the worst? Because I imagine when you're in the gym, does someone get the auxiliary cord and get to put their music on? Who had the worst fucking taste of music that you ever played with? Jeez, good question. Probably a guy called David Burke, who was Francis Burke. He was into all the sort of techno sort of music. Oh, God. But uh, it got... So he'd come from White Charlie's. Yeah. (laughs) It got got worse as the years went on. In the mid-90s, we had a good crew at Richmond. The grunge music was around the Gale Brothers and, you know, we all had the long hair and thought... We actually thought we were Soundgarden there. (laughs) Yeah, right, okay. So, but yeah. do, you, do you get a go like you to pick the music? Like, is it, you know, today it's, it's Monday's wait session. Richo gets the yeah. iPad today, or yeah, no, in the gym you would do. There was generally a couple of guys that would control it back in the day. But I was in Collingwood's rooms the other night before they get this. Literally ten minutes before they ran out. I don't know what this <laughs> stuff was, but fuck, I thought I was in Ibiza and Carl Cox was playing. <laughs> And I don't know how they hear themselves think, but it's, uh, that's the way they do it now. They run out and they're, they're smiling and, and having fun. If you had done that when Robert Walsh was coach. Yeah. I remember when Walsey took over at Richmond. This is how different it is, right? We used to have our meetings at Punt Road. You know, we'd you know, look at the team and look at the opposition. So it's just match, match day? Match day. Match yeah. day meeting. You'd meet at Punt Road, have, have your meeting, and then we'd all walk across um, to the MCG. So what was that? So... To- 
cut you up before your story. Yeah. But what was that walk like? You're walking amongst Richmond supporters yeah. who are going to the game early, opposition supporters. Did yeah. you hear a little bit of well, feedback? Well, you're generally going over pretty early, so you're not so really... not many people. You're not bumping into yeah. many people. But after a 10-goal loss, the walk back was pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, re- I'm surprised there wasn't more actual fisticuffs. Yeah, right. Because you'd cop a fair bit of shit on a the way back. bit of genuine feedback. And we actually raised this with the club. <laughs> after about 10 years, we're like... Is this really safe? Right? <laughs> you know what, Rich? I love your restraint. Because after one year, you thought, I'll give this another nine years. <laughs> and then I'm going to speak up. Yeah. So we sort of raised the question. It, like, there's a big bloody grandstand there, the Southern Stand, and there's a shitload of car parks underneath there. And we said, look, why, why can't you give us 22 car park yeah, passes? Yeah. <laughs> For the 22, we found out that all the car park passes were going to, like, sponsors and directors. <laughs> and the poor old players had to walk through a shit fight after every game. Fuck just to get back. Anyway, the, so the Robert Walsh, right? Yes. So, Walsey had just taken over at Richmond. We heard he was a hard sort of taskmaster from his time at Brisbane and Carlton back in the 80s. And uh, we had our team meeting. We're walking across. Really nice sunny day. It's round one or two. It's still got a bit of, you know, a bit of summer in the air. And one of our players, Wayne Campbell, was wearing a brand new sort of pair of shades and he was the only player that had sunglasses on. About halfway across, Wolsey stopped us all and got us in. And he goes, are you blokes switched on today? And we're like, yeah, well, fuck, it's a beautiful day. The birds are chirping. This, you know, the seeds are still alive. Yeah, you know, the grass is still looking great. We're 17th. It was round two, so yeah, yeah. what season was still alive. And he goes, well, I don't... I don't think you are switched on. And we're like, what, what's happened here? We just had a good team meeting. We've walked 100 metres up to the top of the hill there in Jollymont. And he goes, have a look at Wayne Campbell. And we look at him. We go, yeah, that's Wayne. That looks... And Walsey goes, he's got fucking sunglasses on! And he said, if anyone ever wears sunglasses again... You won't play next week. And we're thinking, Jesus Christ, he is a hard taskmaster. Wait, what, 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 was, was sunglasses considered well, just, fancy uh, and winky? Well, he just, it was a sign that you were getting ahead of yourself, Tommy. Oh, absolutely. The last thing you want to do is protect those eyes and see the ball properly. <laughs> anyway, that, that's how much it's changed, though, I guess. You, so you went through five coaches? Yeah, like so five John Northey, yeah, Robert Walsh, Jeff Geeshan... Um, Danny Frawley and then Terry Wallace. What's it like uh, at the change of each coach? Like, do you do, does everyone kind of shit themselves? Is there talk amongst the group about yeah. like, oh fuck, what's this going to be like? Like, how, yeah, how does look, it happen? It's probably, probably after the the coach immediately gets sacked, which happened a, a fair bit at Richmond yeah. in my time. <laughs> every second, actually, every second year from the first few years, you probably. There is a, a period of guilt and mourning, I guess. Yeah, OK. Yeah, so you feel guilty? That well, you coaches, do. I mean, yeah. the guy comes in, you have 18 months to, and two years and he gets the other. Oh, that's what I like about footy now. They give them a fair period of time before they decide oh, to Welcome to Carlton. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, but then the new coach comes in and then there's that whole period of, uh, you know... It's a fresh voice. Yeah, fresh new. voice, something yeah. new. So I'll never forget Jeff Geeshan when he took over. He was a caretaker coach, a bit like Andrew McWalter now. He took over in round 17, I think it was, in, in uh, 1997. We'd been beaten by the Crows by 126 points the week before. Darren Jarman kicked eight goals. Robert Walsh got the sack. Jeff Geeshan was our reserves coach. He took over. And it was that sugar hit, you know. It yeah. happens all the time, Unleash the geesh. Unleash the geesh. So 
We go, we go into our last game of the year at Optus Oval, I think it was called then, and we had to beat Carlton. We couldn't play finals, but if we beat Carlton, we can knock them out of finals. We'd had four games under Geese, right? We were three and one, and the cheer squad were getting pretty excited about <laughs> what was going on yeah. with Geese. So we run up the race this day to knock Carlton out of finals, and on the banner was Unleash the Geese in 98, right? The cheer squad wanted him, and it was a bit of lobbying, you know. They were, they were making it known to the club and the board of directors that they weren't going to accept anything else other than Jeff Geeshan being signed, right? The members, the rank and file. So anyway, we go out and beat Carlton with the, the kick. Uh, ben Harrison kicked a goal, who was a Carlton player the year before, kicked a goal, and we knocked Carlton out of the finals at Princess Park, right? Isn't so, there anything better than that? It's, it's the greatest though of football, isn't it? it you can't mean, the football if you're not going to play finals to knock Carlton out of finals... Absolutely. It's nothing better. Let's, let's, let's cast... You, you still have a reunion for that. Yeah, we yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Anyway, what could the board do after that? Yeah, yeah. So that before the game, they wanted to unleash the Geish. We win that game. So he was signed up. Geishan was signed up almost immediately. And uh, we, we had a reasonable year under him in 98. We missed finals, but we, I think we won 12, and it was the old Ninthman thing again. Anyway, by about, uh, you know, around 1920 the next year, in 1999, I'm walking into the MCG, and the, the cheer squad used to have, like, a, a marquee set up where they'd sell merchandise and that as you're walking into the game. And I noticed just heaps of supporters lining up to get some merchandise and think, geez, it's busy here today. What are they selling? So I went and stood there and had a look and every single Richmond member was buying a badge, right? And on this badge it said, release the geese. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and he was released a few weeks later. So that's how harsh foot he is. Oh, yeah. man. So you were there when uh, someone dropped the... Uh, the Chicken manure off at the club. What was that like? Like, did, did the players laugh about it? Or was yeah, it, it was. Like... Look, it was funny. You're feeling pretty flat anyway. Yeah, when you're absolutely. Up. You don't you're, need any more. Yeah, because your car's like parked right in front of the manure, so you <laughs> yeah, can't get out. Exactly. So we rock up. For those of you who don't know, we'd had a bad run. Danny Frawley was coach at the time, and we rock up to the club on a Sunday morning to do our recovery, and there is a ton of chicken shit dumped in front of our. Chi- <laughs> this is true. And we're like, shit. And that's not, you're not being like uh, figurative. There was a ton. There was a ton. Yeah, it was a ton. How big's a ton? It's a lot. It's, well, (laughs) it's probably that that people here and we we are essentially a ton of of chicken chips. So, anyway, uh, we have our session and there's a few jokes going around about it. But the thing was, Danny Frawley had just um, renovated a huge big house down in Brighton and he had a brand new landscaping done. So after that recovery session, he got all the property stewards... This is serious. He got all the property stewards to bag up all the chicken shit, <laughs> put it in the property van and take it down. Mate, he had the, he had the best roses in Brighton, so don't worry about that. So in your time, they made prelims in 95 and 2001. Now, you didn't play in 95, if I remember correctly. No, I was out. Yeah, yeah. I that year. Oh. Just on that year, I just... What, what's going on here? This no, minute? someone oh, someone has broke a glass. They own yeah. chicken shit. So, yeah. so yeah. just I didn't play finals in '95. Yeah. I did my knee in round nine. But was that the one of the SCG? Where yeah, they, it they was. They moved the fence. Yeah. Out they did. After that, yeah, they, they moved the fence in a week. I, I went up for a mark on the boundary line. Got pushed in the back by Andrew Dunkley, Josh Dunkley's old man, 
who I was playing on. And as he pushed me, I'm like in the air. You know when you get tunnelled when you're yeah. in the air? You guys probably wouldn't know. No. But, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, uh, it, it's, it's happened to me once when I was down in D-Town. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks for joining us, Matt. Uh, fuck off now. So anyway, I got... As he pushed me, I had that feeling of, shit, I'm, I'm going to hit the fence here, right? So I thought, I've got to stop straight away or else I'm going to cannon into the fence. So I did that. As I did that, I hyperextended, smashed into the fence, did my knee, and because the boundary line was really close to the fence yeah, and the, the regulations aren't what they are now. The SCG actually moved the boundary line in for the very next home game. And after I did my... I had a lot of lawyers sort of sending me letters saying, if you don't come back from this knee, you've got a serious uh, case here. Anyway, it didn't happen. But just on that year, uh, something happened that year in 1995. A lot of people in footy... How would you guys consider me as a shot at goal? Be honest. (laughs) Someone just be honest. Average? Anyway... Better than Levi Casper. That's not what you want to hear. Look, anyway, over my career... I Harry developed... Mackay's not up the back, by the way, so you're right. <laughs> I developed a complex about my goal kicking. It started after my first game. Played St Kilda. No, I did. Played St Kilda at the MCG, round 7, 1993. Played on Danny Frawley, who ended up being my coach. He was the Victorian fullback. I'm 18 years of age. I'm playing on Danny Frawley. State full back, 100 kilos. I'm about 88 kilos, ringing wet back then. Anyway, I thought I had a pretty good game. 22 possessions, nine marks and a goal. And <laughs> I, go back, I go back to Punt Road to the social club. And back then, Rosie, you could have a beer after the game. Yeah. So I went up to the bar, got a beer, waited, was waiting for mum and dad. And I just thought, surely I'm going to get a few pats on my back here. You know, I was thinking I was going pretty good. You know, 20 possessions, nine marks and a goal. So <laughs> this guy walks up to me and I'm like, here it comes, right? Here the, and he's walking towards me. He goes, you, you young Richardson made you to boo today. I said, yeah, that's right. And I'm thinking 20 possessions, nine marks and a goal. <laughs> and he goes, fuck, you're a shit kick. <laughs> and I went, are you serious, mate? Like in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, I did kick one out on the full from 15 metres. <laughs> but... Every single day, I reckon, for the rest of my career, the next 17 years, 17 years, I reckon everywhere I went, someone would say something about my goal kick. And I'd walk out the front in the morning, get my paper, Richo, you're a shit kick. <laughs> Tradey going past. So this went on and on. So when I retired, I thought, was I really that bad, right? I can't believe then you went to LA and got the same thing out of car window. I did. <laughs> Richo, you're a dickhead out the you're car window. So anyway, when I retired, I thought, was I really that bad? Because it just seemed to follow me everywhere I went, my goal kicking. People would want to talk about it. So I went and got the AFL statistics guide. And it's got every stat in football in there. I just started working in the media. And they give you this uh, stat book. So I went to the goal kicking section. And I stumbled across a section. And you can go and look it up if you want. Look at AFL tables. Google it. Do whatever you want. I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. You haven't thought about it, but do it if you so, want. I went to the, a section that was called the most accurate season in the history of AFL, AFL football. 150 years, 15,000 players. You weren't on there? Right? You weren't on there? No, just wait, mate. <laughs> I'm telling this story. <laughs> so, 
I get to this section and I didn't come up with the, the requirements for it, but Cole Hutchison, the AFL stats guru, did. To qualify for the most accurate season in the history of AFL, AFL footy, you must have had 30 shots at goal for the season. That's enough data to be considered, you know, the most accurate season in the history of AFL, AFL football. 15,000 players, 150 years. So I, I hope you eyeball this motherfucker for, that, for the rest of the fucking story. So... So in 1995, before he did his knee at the MCG, a player <laughs> kicked 27 goals, three, to go at 90% accuracy and just qualified with the minimum of 30 shots to be the most accurate player in the history of VFL AFL football. And that's me. Yeah! Rito, we wanted to say thank you so much for coming down. We love what you do on the Channel 7 commentary. Have you ever thought about doing Roaming Richer? <laughs> Come you know, on, mate. Rosie, it's funny you say that, and this is a coincidence. Like the Richmond-North Melbourne game when Trent and uh, Jack retired. Yeah. Benny Gale said, can you come in and just MC the pre-game function? There's a lot of past players there, you know, to pay their respects to the, the two champions. We'll give you 500 cash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. We'll give you two. Mainland money. <laughs> yeah. No. yeah. Anyway, they said, can you do a little Roaming Brian segment? Yeah, you know, great. Because there's a lot of past players. They just run out into the crowd and chat to a few of the past players, get some memories on Trent and Jack. Bloody hell. I don't know how BT does it because there's a lot of dead... Poorly. A lot of dead time. <laughs> 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 uh, mate, it's a, it was a tough gig, trust oh, me. So that. I admire Brian and what he does. Yeah. Hey, uh, we're going to wrap it up there. Hey, please thank Matthew Richardson. Matthew Richardson. <laughs> Thanks, Tommy Little. Campbell Brown, Rose Ray Chamberlain, all the crew here at Norris House, Sean and Tech, Josh on the door. We're going to hit the road. And also, we can announce, also, just before we go, we announce we can actually we announce we're going to do a grand final live show. Uh, for the first time is since uh, 2018, when we destroyed Scott Dooley's soul. Uh, we're going to be all four of us, Charlie, Clawson, Will Anderson, Anna Rosebikes, and myself being here. here yeah. And guess who are barracking for the appropriate teams. We're going to see you then. And also, just to let you guys know, the, the pub is still open, so if you want to grab a beer upstairs, we'll be up there. Just uh, hang out, get pissed. Um, let's have some fun. And for the first time I can say this, I've never said, I've always said go Hawks at the end of an episode. Come on, mate. But I can now say, go Swans.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 